Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. to the Portrait on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we're getting back to basics. Red letter basics. No watering the word down. No weakening it. We look at the Word of God as it was written, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We follow the example of the Book of Acts Church to see how they serve the Lord. And by doing that, We have found the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world's shaking influence the early church had. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still follows. As long as the church is here, that which restrains the spirit of the Antichrist, that fire is available. The Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. on solomonsporch.org is that website, a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000. If you have any questions, visit the site, use the contact button, or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com and do the same thing. At the bottom of the page, there's ways to support us. We appreciate each and every one of you that do. Everything goes into the ministry uh, into the, the podcast, into everything we do to sustain us. Sometimes it's equipment. A lot of times it's just covering the bills for everything that we do. So we thank you for that, and we're believing for bigger and greater things so that we can get out there and do bigger and greater things. So we appreciate your support and your encouragement. You can do it via that PayPal link I mentioned, or you can use the Venmo app, which is at Firefall Media Group. Um, easier, more user-friendly, and less fees. But either way, however you want to do it, we appreciate it. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio. That is our only main podcasting site. We do distribute on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and uh, we're still waiting for confirmation on Google Podcasts. I think we may have that already. I'm sorry. I need to check that. So welcome to all our listeners. Make sure you listen to Overwatcher. Hasn't been one this week. Been really tied up in a lot of different things. But with so much going on in the world, we could do one every day of the week if needed. But you can follow us on Facebook under the Supernatural Response Team, which is an SRT Overwatch page. Just to keep yourself up to date, Feast of Trumpets, September 19th, Day of Atonement, September 28th. And the Feast of Tabernacles is October 3rd through the 9th. 
Now remember, there is a new format after all these years of praise reports and prayer requests. It got to the point that we dwindled to one or two or none at all. And so I just felt led that if you have a, a sincere prayer request, you can send it to me either email or on one of the social media sites, and I'll make sure that I pray for it, and then I'll get it out there. But as far as doing it before the show, I always do praise reports, prayer requests before I speak, teach, or whatever. That's just my thing. I am considering maybe once a month, maybe doing a prayer night. But right now, since I'm the only one doing everything, I'm, I'm leery of taking on anything else. But I'll let you know about that. So I always praise God first. I always enter into his presence with thanksgiving. So I thank him for my life, for my salvation, for my eternity with him. And in doing so, he gave me back my home, my wife, my sons, and then gave me two daughter-in-laws, and then gave me a grandson. He is awesome in how he has blessed me. He's given us multiple furry kids all over uh, the last 32 years that I've been saved. They're always a part of our family. We consider them family. I'm thankful to him for everything that he's given me, all of this technology, this home, uh, his blessing, his provision. I praise him for his protection. You can't do what I do, what we do with SRT, and not need protection. Um, I praise him for the ministry he allows me to work. Some days you just have to get up and thank him for the basics, which I just did. And I do that all the time. For the dreams and the visions, which we are definitely in the Joel chapter 2 time frame right now. I praise him for his healing virtues. I know some of you, right, and, and you need healing in your heart, in your mind, your soul, your spirit. Maybe your family is going through some stuff. Stop focusing on the dysfunction and the bad things and begin to praise him. Speak to things not as they are, but as they should be. Begin to speak in faith. It'll magnify him to you and it will edify your spirit. I praise him for favor and revelation, for being a new creation and living in these crazy prophetic times. You cannot get up and look at the news or pay attention to anything on social media and not get the sense that he's getting ready to come back. And I praise him for that. I praise him for living in America. Boy, do we have some problems. But he's the solution to all those problems. And as I said, I believe that the Lord's getting ready to return for his bride. And I believe certain things will happen before then. I believe a lot of things will happen after then. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached all the world. And then the end will come. So to do that, we need to pray. We need to pray for the Middle East. We need to pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Pray for America and its leaders and its citizens at this time. We're going through some really serious testing. Testing of our faith, squeezing to see what comes out. We really need those that know the Lord to stand up and take a stand and to shine the light and not kneel to anyone but him. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents in and out of the womb, the victims of injustice, 
We see that so much in this fallen world. You know, the slaughter of the innocents, human, animal, whatever. We've been bad stewards of his blessings and of his creation. I pray for the missing and exploited children. The enemy is really active in in that and human trafficking and all these ugly, debased, satanic things that have been allowed to go on for too long. Pray for our brothers and sisters around the world that are being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith, and they get little media exposure when it happens. Make sure you're connected to one of the uh, um, persecution. um, All of them just went out of my head. Next time I'll, I'll bring a list on here. And I mentioned the spirit of the Antichrist. I believe the person that will inhabit the spirit is alive. Whether he knows it or not, I don't know. But I believe that the spirit is getting bolder and bolder, and we see it happening. So we have got to take a stand. We've got to pray. We've got to believe. We have to be who we were called to be. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing. Let's get back to our divine design. He can't use us if we're broken. Well, he can, but he could use us better if we weren't. Continue to pray for the healing, continued healing in my wife, Deb, and in all of you right now that are that are suffering. Father, in the name of Yeshua, your son, just touch them wherever they are. Meet them at their need. We pray for divine protection, inspiration. We pray for the remnant that I've been speaking to all these months to wake up. If you know somebody that's potentially a part of the remnant, let them know about us. Let them know what we're talking about. I pray that they would wake up, they would rise up, they would answer the call to action. If they've been blessed, I'd pray that they'd be a blessing. If you get the newsletter, I've laid some out there. I'm about to make a video to talk a little more about that, to let you know what it is we're praying for, what we're planning on, and what we're doing. But I pray that we would prosper in accordance with his words, and every need would be met, all the dreams, all the visions, all the missions funded so that we can get out there, destroy the work of the enemy, and shake the world one last time before the return of the king. Continue to pray with me for divine favor in the conclusion of legal matters. In adversity, uh, members of our family we're going through seem to be dragging on and for all of our lost family members. Lord, we pray for them right now. We just bring them before you, Lord, before we do anything else. Husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, friends, cousins, whoever they are, if they don't know you, if their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I pray that you'd send somebody to them. Send a ministering angel. Send a voice that they'll listen to. But, Lord, right now, by name, and I hope that you'll speak out their names, we claim them into the kingdom. We claim them into the kingdom. We claim them out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of your love, that they would be saved, healed, and delivered, and that they would get to spend eternity with you. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for loving us even when we were unlovable. We thank you for forgiving us and making a way for us. And that way was Yeshua, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. 
And Lord, I've begun to come to understand what that was even during existence, always knowing that that would have to be paid because we'd never be able to. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the pain. We thank you for the shame that you didn't let it overwhelm you or change your mind. You did it for the joy, the joy of us, the joy of being connected to us again and restoring us to the Father. Your love for the Father was so great that you gave every drop of blood and you endured what you did so that he could have his children back. So Holy Spirit, we're asking that you join us right now, enlighten us, make this word come alive inside of us, touch us, speak to us, and we just thank you, Father, for every prayer that's been spoken, every prayer that's going to be spoken, and we just love you, and we thank you. We pray all these things in Yeshua's name, amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So my goal has always been not to impress you with how much I know or how much I've studied. My goal has always been what I was taught by my pastor, spiritual father, and mentor to do, to impart understanding, not just knowledge, but understanding. And my goal has always been to prepare you to be used by the Lord as a part of his remnant now, not later, not years from now, now. You're needed now. Now, you may think I'm not qualified, and you're right, because you learn by doing. And as I explained last week, the the concept of remnant, it's been overused and misapplied. It's something that's left over, especially the righteous people of God after divine judgment. Several Hebrew words express the remnant idea, that which is left over, that which remains, the residue, one who escapes, a survivor, one loosed from bonds. In the New Testament, it's always referring to the leftover remnant of the Jews. Noah and his family are examples. Lot, after Sodom and Gomorrah, was destroyed. Jacob's family in Egypt, Elijah and the 7,000 faithful followers of the Lord in 1 Kings 19. We also see it applied to the enemy in Joshua 12.4 about the king of Bashan, who was of the remnant of the giants, who dwelt at Ashtaroth. And isn't that interesting? He dwelt in the same area that Jezebel came from. It's something left over. It's, according to the prophecies of Isaiah, it's a holy seed. It's a spiritual kernel from which the nation will rise. And, of course, it always referred to a future king, the Messiah, We see that in Isaiah 9, verses 2, and then 6 and 7. 
The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, but those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And here's what that light is. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his king, his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, establish it with justice and judgment from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Well, we know that is a future eschatological focus, but it also is a spiritual one. The spiritual kingdom of God went into effect the day he came out of the wilderness and began to preach. When he comes back, they'll both merge into one, the natural and the spiritual. So right now, that's what I'm talking to you about, about living, moving, breathing in the kingdom of God here and now. And Paul talks about it in Romans 9, and he's talking about the Messianic Jews, the remnant according to the election of grace. But this kingdom mind that I'm hoping you acquire, because I can only offer this to you. I can only explain it to you. I can pray for you, but I can't impart it to you. You have to acquire it. The kingdom mind is being about the Lord's business. And what was his business? Salvation. And, of course, we must add to that the preparation for his return. Go make disciples of all men. Go make believers who follow the Lord. Now, I've seen a lot of people talk about the kingdom of God and the kingdom mindset. And they apply it to business. They apply it to a lot of different external things. But I believe one of the reasons it has not happened is because all of these those things replace the focus of salvation and the cross. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Everything has got to be about the Great Commission. Everything has got to be about salvation and making disciples, making believers of everyone. Well, instead, man and the church have been building their own kingdoms, denominations, doctrines, Um, rules, do's, don'ts, celebrity status, putting people up on stage or up on pedestals. The whole garment has become wrinkled, and it really needs a serious dry cleaning, some serious steam of the Holy Spirit. But when we get the mind of the Lord, the mind of Messiah, we begin to see it differently. I've begun to see it differently. I've been thinking about this for many, many years, decades, and only recently have come to finally understand that as the Holy Spirit began to expand my thinking. Having a remnant mindset means you've been born out of trials and tribulations, and what does that do? That propels you into intimacy. That propels you towards him, into his arms. You want to stay close to him. You want to stay hidden in the shadow of his wings. You want to lean closer that you're hidden under the 
crook of his arm up against his body, feeling his heartbeat, knowing you're safe. But that doesn't come from complacent Christianity. That doesn't come from the easy, casual, religious mindset. No, that comes from going through it. It comes from a walk and a lifestyle. So what what I'm trying to do, what we're doing together, is we're building his kingdom with no distinctions. And to do that, we need a mindset with no distinctions or restrictions. What we need to do is we need to follow the example that he set before us with the disciples. Look at Matthew 10, verses 16 through 20. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now remember, he said this before the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And just like he did at the beginning of his ministry, he sent them out two by two before they were ready. See, the Lord commissioned them before, before they were ready, before they got the Holy Spirit, before the upper room. Remember, he says in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples, make believers of all the nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, that's the pattern. He doesn't call the prepared. He prepares those he calls. And the disciples weren't ready. We see that very clearly. But you know what they were? They were willing. What you have to decide is... Are you willing? Are you willing to go through it? Are you willing to deal with it? Are you willing to do what's necessary to get to the end? Maturity, while good, is not a prerequisite for being used by the Lord. Because maturity comes from experience and experiential knowledge. Experiential knowledge is is most dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. They don't mind people that are eggheads, as I call them. They really don't like people who have experience. Book knowledge is good, but real experience is vital. Real Holy Spirit experience is vital. He has to be your teacher and your counselor. You've got to walk with him. So what we're going to do differently tonight, because the last couple of weeks has turned into uh, some emotional, some preaching at times, we're going, to, we're going to get a little bit more into the Word tonight. So go with me to 1 Corinthians 2, starting with verse 1, as I read the Amplified Version, and I want you to listen. Maybe you need to close your eyes. Maybe you need to absorb these words and let, hear them not just with your ears, but with your spirit as well. 
Father, I just pray right now, your sons and your daughters that are listening, that they would have eyes to see and ears to hear, that any distractions, anything hindering them, anything blocking would would be removed, and they could hear what you're saying to them through your word. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. This is from Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. As for myself, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony and evidence or mystery and secret of God concerning what he has done through Messiah for the salvation of men in lofty words of eloquence or human philosophy and wisdom. For I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus the Messiah and him crucified. And I was in a state of weakness and fear, dread, great trembling after I had come among you. And my language and my message was not set forth in persuasive, enticing, enticing words of wisdom. But they were in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, a proof by the Spirit and power of God, operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, in in human philosophy, but in the power of God. Yet when we are among the full-grown, spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan, previously hidden. But it's, it's indeed not a wisdom of this present age or of this world, nor the leaders and rulers of this age who are brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. But rather, we are, what we are setting forth is a wisdom of God once hidden from human understanding, now revealed to us by God, that wisdom which God devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification, to lift us into the glory of his presence. None of the rulers of this age or world perceived and recognized and understood this, for if they had, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But on the contrary, as the scripture said, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared, made and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him and gratefully recognize the benefits he has bestowed. There's that intimacy thing again. Yet to us God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his Spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and the bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and the things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. For what person perceives, what person knows, what person understands what passes through a man's thoughts except the man's own spirit within him? Just so no one discerns, no one comes to know or comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit, who is from God, given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor 
and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. And we are setting these truths forth in words, not by, taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. But the natural, non-scriptural man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God. For they are folly, meaningless, nonsense to them. And they are incapable of knowing or recognizing or understanding or becoming acquainted with them because they're spiritually discerned. But the spiritual man tries all things. He examines, he investigates, he inquires into, he questions and discerns all things. Yet he himself is himself put on trial and judged by no one because he can read the meaning of everything. And no one can properly discern or appraise or get insight into him. And here we go. This is the conclusion of Paul's presentation, almost as if he's in a courtroom giving an argument. He is. He's in a spiritual courtroom. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsel, the purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of the Messiah. And do hold the thoughts and feelings and purposes of his heart. Everything in that, those 16 verses of 1 Corinthians 2, describe an intimacy, describe a relationship, describe an interaction with God through the Son, through the Holy Spirit. Just like you come to know a spouse or a loved one, through intimacy over time, through communication, through watching them, through walking with them, through being with them. That's the relationship of the Lord. I've, I've begun to see when the two become one in, in marriage, it's, become, it's like becoming one with him. That we, we become one with him. And I think most people have the same relationship with the Lord as they have had with earthly spouses a dis- dysfunctional, disjointed one because they've never truly let themselves go. They've never truly been transparent. They've held a part of themselves back. But what Paul's talking about here, to have that mind, you have to have the heart. And to have those things, you have to have the Holy Spirit. And what two things trigger your salvation? Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. We need that dynamic. You're not going to be effective in anything, let alone spiritual things, if, if you're broken up into multiple people inside of you. Many people have spiritual multiple personalities. They're on these emotional roller coasters. They see everything negative. They, the glass is always half empty. It's never half full. They never see the blessing. They see the curses. They see what the enemy is doing, but they don't see what the Lord is doing. Paul wasn't 
trying to convince anyone based upon his eloquence or Greek wisdom. He wasn't trying to convince them with, with all the things that so many people try to do today. He wasn't putting on a show. Matter of fact, he, he had some kind of a, a health issue, possibly even a speech impediment. He was short. He was uh, like four foot eleven. This was not the kind of man that would stand up on a Greek stage and um, get people's attention. But this was a man sent to the Gentiles, sent to take the gospel to the world. See, God, remember, he doesn't pick the prepared. He had to take Paul for three years and retrain him to use him. What he's saying is everything revealed to him is by the Holy Spirit. Everything he speaks is by the Holy Spirit. And the focus of his preaching wasn't prosperity. It wasn't anything but one thing. Jesus and him crucified. It all starts at the cross. We have so gotten away from that. I know it's been a while and I think... One of the main churches that you couldn't do that with, I think they're long gone. But there there have been churches over the years where you can't talk about the cross and you can't talk about the blood. But if you can't deal with that, then you can't deal with him at all. But it was God's sovereign work in Paul that made his preaching effective. He based it totally on the power of the Holy Spirit. He says in 1 Corinthians 1, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is what is the power, it's the dunamis of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. If that's so, then why have we spent so much time building seminaries and universities and taking the heart out of the word, taking the spirit out of the word, and making people learn it intellectually? He goes on in verse 20, where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Messiah crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Messiah, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God stronger than men. For you see your calling that many, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him. You are in Messiah Yeshua who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. We put people up on pedestals. We put their names on things. We, we, we celebrate the flesh. 
Why? That was the exact opposite of what we were supposed to be doing. See, Paul said he came in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And I think some think he was referring to everything he suffered, which he lists in 2 Corinthians 11. Um, From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. But I don't think that's what he was fearing and trembling about. I think it had to do with the fact that he did not want to let the Lord down. He did not want to bring reproach upon the truth. He did not want to draw away from the message. And that right there is something you've got to get. Fervent loyalty to the Father and to the Son. Fervent loyalty is the mark of a kingdom mindset. You also have to remember he was speaking to the church in Corinth, and the Corinthians, they glorified in their strength and their wealth and their gifts. Well, Paul was trying to get them to glorify in Messiah's humility and death. See, this this really, what I'm what I'm sharing with you, goes against the majority of what's being taught or preached in the church right now. It goes against the whole concept of kingdom of God. Oh, we're going to take over this and we're going to take over that. Folks, we can't even run ourselves. We can't even take care of what's been given to us, let alone take anything. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Messiah... If any comfort of love, in any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfills my joy by being like-minded, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, and I believe that's the kingdom mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. You know, right now in America, there's this whole uh, discussion about racism and bigotry. And unfortunately, the people that's speaking it have another agenda that has nothing to do with healing anything but destroying. But you know, if you esteemed others better than yourself, if you treated people the way we're told to do it in the Bible, we wouldn't have this problem. So everything we're seeing right now Both sides of the equation is satanically inspired. And I know the gospel is being preached, and I know people are living out the gospel as the opportunity gives them. But what I see in all of this is because we have failed to do what we were supposed to do in this world. Not being said that others aren't doing it. I've seen some really moving stuff people living out in the midst of all of that, the gospel. But we were told to go make believers, 
not to bring people to church, not then to become members of a congregation. Which told to make them believers. So Paul is trying to get the church in Corinth and us to model the Lord's humility by talking about his own weakness. So that the strength of the gospel message is what you see. And he goes on later in Philippians 3. And the thing I like about Paul, there are times that I have some issues with him and we'll have eternity to discuss them. But he went through a lot to get to where he was. He paid a price, as the Lord told um, the man who went to open his eyes. My brain just went blank again. That he was going to pay dearly. He was going to work out on earth everything he had done to the church, I believe, is what happened. And I know that aided Paul. He mentioned, he refers to it. Which is why he says here in Philippians 3, starting verse 4, that I might have confidence, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I have counted loss for Messiah. Yet indeed, I have counted all things loss except for the excellence of the knowledge of Messiah Yeshua, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Messiah and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Messiah, the righteousness which is from God by faith. All the things he held valuable, he considered now worthless because of what the Lord had done for him. Worthless. Considered the infinite value of knowing Yeshua as Lord, as Savior, as Messiah. He considered it all garbage so that he could have the one true thing of value. In this world, people look at beauty, they look at wealth, they look at knowledge and power as being desirable. Look at social media, that's what it's all about. Look at the people they call social media influencers. Look what they're promoting. Beauty, wealth, power, fame, fortune. But you know what? All of that is meaningless and made worthless by the death of the Lord, and even more so by the coming judgment. So when the end comes, it won't be what you know. It'll be who you know. See, when you begin to, and this this lesson has reminded me of some things I may have forgotten, which is easy to do. The only thing that's of value, the only thing that has any worth, 
The only thing we should be seeking is him. And when you gain the kingdom mindset that I'm talking about, when you gain that mind, the natural mind, intellect, all of that loses its value. That's what the mindset is. The mindset of that the only thing valuable is him. Self-reliance is garbage. It's worthless. Everything you acquire in this world outside of him has no value at all. Don't look at people who have big followings and big names. First of all, here's my theory on people in the, I don't want to say in the church, but people of the church who have huge followings. People that are telling the truth and preaching the word without compromise don't have huge followings. Those are the ones that are tickling the ears. But if you want this kingdom mindset, then you've got to stop relying on your own knowledge. You have to stop relying on your own intellect. You have to stop relying on your own efforts and become completely obedient and subservient to him. Even though Paul had many strengths, he was brilliant. He studied under Gamaliel. He had zeal and he had fervor. We saw it when he was persecuting the church. But all he wanted people to know about now was how God used him, the strength of God through him. And rather than using the the oratory or the rhetoric of the day to win converts, he just gave a very straightforward message. He let his words deal in the power. He was in the power-dealing business the power of God, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit, and miraculous signs which accompanied his preaching. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in the power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. See, this is what I desire. To be able to walk into a room and it doesn't matter who's in it, the wealthy, the famous, doesn't matter, the little, the big, the small, I don't care. But to walk into that room in the power and the presence of the Lord through the Holy Spirit radiating out of me so that those who know him can look in my eyes and see that I belong to him. But those that don't would hear my voice and hear my words, maybe feel a touch, maybe the shake of a hand, and suddenly realize something different about this one. He says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and I said he, because I believe he's the one speaking in Luke writing in Hebrews. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to, according to his own will. The signs are intended to magnify God, not the human speaker. So what did the charismatic church do? What did the church do? People began to move in the signs and wonders, and they began to magnify the man or the woman. But Satan is brilliant. He's brilliant in his subtle deceit. He's brilliant in his subtle just knocking you a little bit off one degree. Remember that whole one degree off. Eventually when you get to your destination, you're miles off. This kingdom mindset, acquiring what we're talking about, 
means your weakness, your failures, your inabilities is not a barrier to serving him. For when we are weak, he is strong. The Spirit takes over our weaknesses. Self-sufficiency impedes and interferes with the work of the Holy Spirit. So the real power is not in charismatic preaching or finesse of presentation or persuasiveness. It's the message itself. It's centered on Messiah. It's centered on him. It's centered on his death for our sin because if you don't deal with the blood sacrifice, it all begins there. But then the power of the Holy Spirit from the upper room, it is the Holy Spirit that convicts the heart. And that's what Paul's doing. What he's doing in all of this, he's referring to the kingdom mind, which means God's wisdom in contrast to the world's wisdom. Because what did, what did he say? Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? The wisdom of God. Uh, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Have you ever thought about sitting down and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm messing all this up. I just want to be foolish for you. Help me to get out of the way. Help me to let go of all this baggage, all this false teaching, all this bad training. Help me to get out of the way. We would have never discovered any of the things, any of the mysteries of God, anything in Revelation. We would never, I would have never discovered any of the things he has shared with me since January of 2007 that has taken me in the direction I've been in, especially over the last 10 years, which I began to share with you. I don't know if you know that, but when he began to impart upon me things that I never knew, revelation I never considered, and began to fill my mind, we, we call it a, like a download. He did so for three years and would not let me teach it or try to share it with others till I understood it. And then in May of 2010, we began to do the porch. And it has grown, and he has expanded it. Now I'm going through another one of those phases where he's, imparting wisdom and information, and he's opening my mind to see things I hadn't seen before. So I know that another move is getting ready to happen. But it can't be based upon my wisdom. It can't be, first of all, I don't want it to be my wisdom. I have no plaques on my wall with PhDs. And by the way, I know what PhD stands for, but everyone I've met, I always thought it meant pretty hopeless dummy. But I'm not sure. That just that may have been a misinterpretation of the letters. I don't I don't have any of the diplomas. I don't have any of those things. You know what I have? I have time with him through his Holy Spirit. I may have shared this with you. I know I shared it with somebody recently when I got my credentials and um, went to meet with the people that were going to give them to me, along with Pastor Shelley. And I presented to them all the books I have read, all the Bible studies I had done, all the ministry, lay ministry, everything I had done for those couple of years. And the guy looked at it and read it, started laughing. 
Now, Shelley knew me really well. He knew I was still very much a New York Italian. I was in process. And he reached over and grabbed my knee and squeezed it. And I looked at him, and he just shook his head, don't say a word. And what happened was the head of, head of the guys that gave me the, my credentials said, you'd have been better off going to seminary. You'd have done less work. Instead of appreciating the work, instead of understanding that I'd been in the school of the Spirit, I'd had all this time with the Lord, that was what he saw. That was earthly wisdom. You don't want that. You want to be able, through the teaching of the Holy Spirit, to compare spiritual things with spiritual, 1 Corinthians 2.13. You want to be able to seek the truth not taught by human wisdom, but, but taught by the Holy Spirit. You, you want to be able to combine and interpret spiritual truths into a spiritual language understood by those who have the Holy Spirit. We need to stop preaching to the world in a language they don't understand. But when we speak to one another, it should be going through the filter of the Holy Spirit in our minds. We should have a kingdom mind, which is a spiritual mind, not a natural one. There are two, two kinds of wisdoms in this world. Man's wisdom and the Holy Spirit's wisdom. Two kinds of people, the natural and the spiritual. Paul was telling the church in Corinth that the intellectual of this world can't be taught the knowledge he's sharing because it needs to be discerned by the Holy Spirit, which is why he kept the message simple for them. The cross. The blood sacrifice. To do what I just said, you have got to replace your natural mind with a kingdom mind. You should see everything on the news through a spiritual filter. You should see everything going on around you with your family and your loved ones and at your job through a spiritual filter to understand that some people are doing things that they can't help but do because they're not born again. And if somebody tells you they're born again and they're doing those things, that should be a clue to you. Wait, Scripture says the tree is known by its fruit. Spiritual wisdom is different than human wisdom. Spiritual wisdom is taught in a different way than human wisdom is taught. Spiritual wisdom is communicated differently than natural wisdom. It's communicated through the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. It's having a word in due season. It's knowing how to phrase. It's knowing how to bring up an example that somebody relates to that you didn't know. And the thing about this, this word that I'm sharing with you, it's not a mechanical dictation theory where the Holy Spirit dictates to people through you. He's going to choose you because of your personality. He's going to choose you excuse me, because of the things that have molded you, because he's given you a message that is distinctive to you. But the one thing Paul affirms is, no matter what, when the Bible is heard, God is heard. Listen to what D.L. Moody says, and this applies as, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and struck me like lightning, but faith did not seem to come. One day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, now faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. 
Now I opened my Bible and began to study, and faith has been growing ever since. What he was saying is faith comes by hearing, hearing what is told, hearing other people's examples, hearing what the Spirit is saying to you. And what is heard is coming by the preaching of the Messiah himself through the Holy Spirit's words on your lips. That's kingdom mindset. So to have the mind of the Messiah, we need to think as he did for the reasons that he did. He said, I only do what my father did. I only say what my father says. We need to say, I only do what the Lord did. I only do what the Lord says. I have the mind. I have a kingdom mind. Father, right now, as your children are listening, I just pray that these words go deep into their soul. That you begin to open nuggets of revelation to them. Understanding, maybe in their own dealings, maybe in something they're going through, maybe something about your word that didn't make sense to them, that suddenly the light bulb goes off to have that aha moment. We need more of that. But we need to understand your love through your word, through your spirit, through this mind of Messiah that we seek, the mind of the Lord. We want to do what you did for the reasons that you did. You came to set the captives free. You came to destroy the work of the enemy. Everything else was secondary. All those things are added unto us when we do that. We seek first the kingdom and your righteousness and all these other things to help us do that will be given to us. Change our focus. Let our hearts be so filled with love for you that this is all we want to do. We want to tell the truth. We want to tell others about you. Not in condemnation, not in judgment, not in anger, but in love. So right now, touch every lip. Touch every mind. Change people so that the words they begin to speak are yours. That the mind of the Messiah, the kingdom mind that you imparted upon your disciples and was supposed to be imparted to your church would be ours now, here and now, so that you can use us, so that we can push back the darkness with light. We can stop the hate with love. We can begin to see what can't be seen and hear what can't be heard. We need what Paul was trying to get the church in Corinth to understand. We need what Paul had, Lord. If ever the church needed that, we need it now. But, Lord, that means we need what you had. So I'm praying this with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my soul, all my spirit, everything that is within me to have your mind, Lord, your heart, your words, your voice. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Folks, as we go on in the weeks, and if you see I'm digging a little deeper, I'm going a little deeper, I'm pushing a little harder. If you're here to be comfortable, if you're here to be entertained, if that's, then that, that's not why I'm here. That's wasting my time, and it's wasting yours. But if you're serious, if you really want to get there, if you want to be used by him, if you want to be used as a member of the remnant, then you've got to let go of your mind. You've got to let go of all your preconceived notions, all the false teaching. You need to pray, Holy Spirit, come. 
Take everything out of me that's not of you. Show me everything that I've learned that wasn't of you. Let me be the way you need me to be. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. We're living in the age of podcasting, which also means the age of podcast networks with large back catalogs, long-running series, limited programming, and even cross-network collaborations. How are publishers supposed to keep this all organized? With Spreaker, of course. Spreaker's customizable publisher plan lets you organize your content exactly how you want it and gives you enough pod tech tools to monetize the largest back catalogs. If you're into premium offerings for subscribers, check out Spreaker's customized RSS feeds to upload and schedule exclusive content with ease. Or use our campaign manager to manage different campaigns from one central platform. Once your podcast business gets big enough, you can even add multiple networks to one account and collaborators assigned to each one. That helps keep the true crime series away from the comedy podcasts and make sure you get the advertisements that will resonate the most with your listeners. So let's move from the age of podcasting to the age of the podcast network with Spreaker. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com.